Well, I'm I'm very very thankful, uh, you know, for our veterans. I know that's coming up on Friday, and and uh, man, that's just that's just one of those things in life that really moves my heart, um, because there's so so many elements of Jesus in all of that, you know, and and the sacrifice that's been already shared this morning and stuff, and and uh, we are very very thankful for all of you who have served and um, love you and appreciate you and just the example. You know, and, and I know we always tie it back into Jesus, and that's what he did. You know, he, he gave himself up and uh, complete surrender and sacrificed himself. And so I was very thankful for that. So uh, this morning we're going we're gonna to talk about, we've been talking about Jesus. We're going to continue doing that. And uh, we're going to talk about him as a disciple maker and what that looks like. And so let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, thank you uh, for loving us. God, thank you for sending Jesus Lord, and, and as we read through and reflect and examine uh, the scriptures and his life, God, I, I pray that you uh, continue to teach us, Lord, that you show us how to walk this out in our everyday life. Lord, you, you've given us a mission. You've given us a responsibility. You allow us to be a part of this plan, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that you saved each and every one of us. God, and I pray that you, you just prompt our hearts in obedience, uh, to be on the lookout for those who are seeking and searching. God, to be prepared in season and out of season to give an answer for what we believe, to show Jesus to this world, God, to stay steadfast and firm. Lord, so just be with each and every one of us, God, as we, as we dig through these scriptures Lord, and, and in your spirit, you teach us things. Thank you for doing all of that. Thank you for sending Jesus and the sacrifice that he made for each and every one of us. And we ask all this in his name. Amen. So um, it's, it is impossible, I, I believe, to read through the Gospels and not see Jesus as a disciple maker. Um, uh, that's impossible. That's, that's what he did, you know, as he, as he began his ministry I mean, one of the first kind of steps he made was calling those, those people to him, right? And uh, everybody didn't stick, right? We know that. We, we read through the Gospels, and some people turned away and, and different things at various moments uh, because of the teachings they didn't understand or it got too hard or the challenges of following Jesus became difficult. Uh, but we know there's this story, this small group of, of guys that follow him around, and, and we get a glimpse into their lives. But we know that Jesus was a disciple maker. And why did he do this? Well, he did it because it was God's plan. You know, that's been one of the things we've been tackling is this 30,000 foot view of God's plan of how, how he worked things out over time and throughout history. And, you know, from the beginning, right, he created and it was good. And then he, and then he made man and woman. And it was very good. And, and he gave them a task to do, right? They were to tend the garden, a steward it, if you will. And so they were to steward the garden of delight, which is, is what it really means. I know we say the Garden of Eden. And then, of course, sin entered, and so did death. And so mankind started this spiraling, and we talk about that. We see it in Israel, right? Just this example of, and then God comes to the rescue, and then, and then God comes to the rescue, and they just keep doing that. And I hope you've seen yourself in it all because we are them, and they are us. Mankind is all the same. We need a Savior. We're broken. We're sinful. And uh, all leading up to Jesus uh, showing up on the scene, uh, the Messiah, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He's our rescuer, our redeemer, our savior, our Lord. He lived and died 
and was resurrected, and he is going to return. He is going to return. Um, and so excited about that. But in the meantime, uh, Jesus was talking in John 11, 25 and 26, and says, Jesus said to her, um, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet, he, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that's the foundation of our faith, right? That we believe in who Jesus is. Uh, we build everything on that. And he eventually is going to return. And there's going to be a bunch of stuff that happens. And, and uh, we're going to return to the Garden of Delight, right? Heaven. We're going to be with, with, with God, Jesus, in the flesh, in, I'm in the presence, living together. It's going to be awesome. And so this is God's grand plan, and he's given us this mostly in story form. You know, we've been reading through it, and, and there's some, some little variations from that, but it's, a, it's an incredible, incredible story, the greatest story uh, ever told, in my opinion. Uh, Exodus 19, 5 through 6, it says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God wanted an entire kingdom. You know, I know we got the Levitical tribe who served as the priestly uh, people, but God was really after uh, an, an entire people group, right? And, and, and he accomplishes that in the New Testament. We see that uh, played out. Uh, so he wants this kingdom of priests to, to, to proclaim him to the world and help bridge this gap. And we know Jesus is the high priest. And so what is a priest? It's this servant of God that the primary duty was to, to help Bridge the gap. Bring people to God, right? And they, they serve different roles and, the, uh, you know, all the stuff in the Old Testament we read about animal sacrifice and confession, just all the stuff that goes on with the, with the priests. But Israel was to be this holy nation of priests to the world. And, and for us, it's the church today. We're called to be a priesthood of believers. The church, 1 Peter 2.9, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This applies to every member of the church. Every member. We are to proclaim God. We are his, his holy nation. We are his royal priesthood. Um, and, and we need to help usher people in uh, to, to God. We need to help them bridge that gap. First uh, Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Jesus, again, is the high priest, right? Bringing people to God, reconciling the world. That's what he did. He came and, and, and restored us. He made it possible for us to be restored. And Jesus made disciples. Man, that's who, that's who he was. Like, he was just a disciple maker uh, from the get-go. And again, as I view Jesus, right, uh, the Son of God, God in, in flesh form, and as I examine his life and see what he did and the things he said and how he did them, I mean, this is what he did. This is what he did. He made it a priority. He even walked away from the crowds to invest in these, these folks that were right around him. And what happened? What was the result? They changed the world. They changed the world. That's Jesus' method. <laughs> I mean, that's what he did. And we're called to do the same. We needed to be rescued, and God took care of rescuing us through Jesus. You know, I think about like first responders, right? So thankful for first responders. 
you know, the call goes out, and a lot of times it's the fire truck guys showing up first, you know, and, and they get on the scene, and then they're followed by police and ambulance sometimes and just different people. But I've, I have seen many a scenes when just Joe Smo passing by, right? They're a first responder. They don't have anything on their vehicle, but they pull over because that's, man, that's their heart. And Jesus was the first first responder. I mean, he showed up. And he did everything he was supposed to do to save us. And we have a response to that. We're made in his image, and we're supposed to clothe ourselves with Christ. And, you know, all those first responder situations, again, I've seen so many over the years, and, and they're, they're not usually easy. They're usually very, very difficult situations that people are walking into. They don't know what's going on. They don't know who's hurt. They don't know. And they're just having to walk in and, and assess the situation, but the thing is, they respond. They do something. They don't just sit there, you know? And, and again, as we begin to, to project that onto ourselves, that's what Jesus did. He ran into a very difficult situation, and he didn't just sit there. He acted. He walked it out. He lived it. And again, we are called to do the same. In those kind of moments, and you just think about it, you know, been to a lot of funerals in my life, and most people are, 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 funerals are like, you know, you get the call that someone has cancer or you get the call that, I don't know, just fill in the blank, right? Those really intense moments. And I promise you over the years, those have been the most receptive times people are in. Why? Because there's an intense moment going on. Life is on the line. And all of a sudden, all the charade of life that doesn't really matter, it goes out the door real quick. And we start getting down to the heart of things. And it's amazing how open people are to God in those moments. Thank God for him, I really do. But then, but then, right? And we talked about miracles and, and sometimes how things don't get answered and things do get answered. And I, but it's like when everything goes all right, Israel did it over and over again. When everything kind of gets back to norm or good, what happens? We just forget God again. And then we're right back to where we were waiting on the next crisis to cry out. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we are called to take some responsibility. We're called to maturity in Christ. And part of maturing and growing up is taking responsibility for other believers and having a heart for the lost. That's, that's, that's our duty. We're supposed to be doing those things. And we end up being a bystander far, far too often. There is no passage in the Bible that says this is how you make disciples. Okay? Why? Because people are messy and everybody's different. Everybody. You know, and there are some foundational things we learn from Jesus, but we have to be dependent on him for everything. And it's going to look different a little bit with each and every individual and case and everything else. And so I have to be in relationship with God. I have to be in the word of God. I have to walk with the spirit so that as I disciple, as I pour into people, God's leading it, right? God's leading it. Because I, I, have, I have no idea what so-and-so needs. I mean, I know they need Jesus, right? That's nice cop out. But what do they really need? What's, what's the step in their maturing process they need? God knows. God knows, and he, he wants to use us in that process. He involves us in this grand plan of his he didn't just save us. He gave us purpose. So we're going to read the parable of, of uh, the, the three parables in Luke 15. I want to talk about them just, just briefly. 
Um, I, I sent out a home group lesson, and I, and I asked when we get to the prodigal son, it's the lost sheep, lost coin, prodigal son. You know, we, we were asking in our home groups, like, who do you identify with in the prodigal son right now? And, I, and before we get into it, I may kind of begin with the end in mind. I want to I challenge you. I know over the years for myself, I was a prodigal son. There's zero question about it. I went the way of the world. I relate very well. Felt like I was eating pig's pods at one point. Um, I was there. You know, so I strongly relate to that. But a lie from Satan in my life has also been, stay there, Jeff. Well, I got out of the pig pen and I ran home to my father. And sometimes I don't live like that. Sometimes I don't think like that. Sometimes I feel like I'm still stuck in the pig pen. And that's not the truth of the Bible. The truth of the Bible is that when I've been saved, I'm a new creation. We're going to read that. I just wanted to start kind of with the end in mind. All right, as we dig into this. So setting the scene, right, the Pharisees and the scribes are sitting there, and Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. Oh, no, you know? Shame on you, Jesus, right? Rebellious Jesus going to the sick, you know? And so they got a problem with it. And so, of course, Jesus is fully aware of what's going on. Verse 1 of Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Interesting right? That the sinners wanted to be near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them? Oh, they made that noise. They just didn't write it in there. So he told them this parable, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Of course, we know Jesus came to seek and to save the what? The lost. That's right. So Jesus is this shepherd, and, and, and so he, he leaves the religious group to, to go after this lost, and, and he's saying, hey, this is what we celebrate in my kingdom. And don't forget, I mean, back then, this was the commodity, right, that people sold and bought and traded and used for goods, sheep and different things, and, and so there's value in this sheep. Maybe it was the family pet, maybe not, but there's value in it either way, right? And so Jesus is like, look, you leave the 99 and go after that sheep because it's valuable to you. Understand what's valuable in heaven, right? It's this, it's this repentance uh, of a sinner who, who returns. And so then he goes on the parable of the lost coin. Uh, verse 8, it says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweeps the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost just so. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And again, we have this scene here of, of, of seeking out the lost. And we know that's what Jesus came to do. And because and, and, God cares. God cares. He wants to see everyone repent and return. All right? And then we get to the prodigal son. And this has always been a weird dynamic to me because in the sheep and in the coin, there's this representation of a person who goes out. And I've always struggled with this, with the loss, because when Jesus finally presents the story of people, 
No one goes out to save the, the younger brother. It's always been a weird dynamic to me. Maybe you've never struggled with that. I'm weird, and I struggle with it. Because aren't we supposed to go? So why didn't anyone go? You know, it was kind of always one of those questions that I just bounced around in my head, and I've had just different thoughts over it over the years. But this has always been one of those stories for me that I'm like, all right, Jesus, you know, but hang in there with me. Verse 11, and he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, praise God, his father saw him and felt compassion. Let's remember that. Felt compassion. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, I don't think he heard anything he said. And the father, the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Great moment, right? Awesome. You know, and, and I, I, if you're a Christian, I mean, and you had your Jesus, I mean, like, you, we've been there, man. That moment we knew we were broken, we were separated, and Jesus stepped into the scene. Whew, great moment. But it goes on. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants, and he asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come home. Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. Mm. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. All of that is mine, is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And I got to tell you, you know, just reflecting back on the fact that he's talking to the the scribes and the Pharisees here, and, and their heart. That's what's wrong right here. Because when we have Jesus, man, I hope, I hope that he is developing a compassionate heart in you. 
And it's real easy to be on this side of the fence being saved and wearing our nice clothes to church and, and having, having that and forget who we were in the pig pen and lose our compassion and lose our, our willingness to, to go and, in the name of Jesus, to be his ambassador, to be the priesthood of believers, to be the minister of reconciliation, all the things the New Testament calls us to be. It's easy to sit on this side. And, and hey, I mean, I, I come to church. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But have we lost our, our, our heart for the lost? And I think Jesus is sharing this story right here. And it's like you, the Pharisees here, the, this older brother mentality, and they're angry. They're angry with Jesus because he sees that, hey, they're going to hell, man. And they need me. And they they just gotten so caught up, they just were missing it. Jesus is speaking about discipleship. The Pharisees and the and the scribes, man, they they knew the law, man. They 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 at least for all intents and purposes kept the law. I'm sure there was some shady stuff going on and all that kind of stuff. But they, man, they 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 knew it, they memorized it. Uh, they acted like they kept it in front of everybody. Hopefully some of them did. But like they were all about this law. And Jesus is here with tax collectors and sinners. And they just looked down on that group. And again, these I mean, the tax collectors, man, they were stealing from their own people and giving it to wrong. Like, it was terrible, you know? They were profiting off their own people. Of course they were hated. Of course they were looked down on. And then sinners, oh, unclean, right? So... There's this outlandish party, the older son, the older son struggles, you know, and, and Jesus, uh, they, they asked Jesus uh, about what, what all this meant, and, you know, he answers their, their question, and, and it really boils down to, to compassion. And why did he eat with them? Because he was seeking disciples. He was seeking people who were seeking. There are people out there seeking and searching for answers. And God in his ultimate wisdom, has, has chosen to use us, his church, his people, um, to be there, to, to, to help them find. We've been given that responsibility. And so uh, you can't make a disciple until you have a disciple. And, and you know, I, I think through that a lot because, you know, it's easy to, to be in the body of believers and, and like, hey, you know, everybody's okay and everybody's good and and, and I've shared this, you know, one of the questions I keep on my board that I, I read often is who, who in my circle, who am I in my world, am I building a relationship with right now that I know doesn't know the Lord? Now, look, you can go out and, and get on a bullhorn or you can uh, share the gospel with anybody. I would never tell you not to share the gospel with someone. That's awesome. Share it all you can. I promise you the most effective way is in relationship guarantee it. Someone knows you give a rip, right? Someone knows. Could you imagine the, the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Dude on the side of the road, naked, beaten, gets taken to the hotel, gets completely tended for by this guy. He shows back up and he shares Jesus. Do you think that guy's going to be receptive? Or if he'd have stopped while he was beaten and naked and said, hey man, you need Jesus. Which I'm not saying he wouldn't have said, yes, I do. You know, I don't know. 
I promise you the more effective way is the fact that he loved him. He served him. He sacrificed for him. I guarantee it. Are we looking for those people? Do we have a, do we have a heart, compassion for the loss? Like I said, we were, I, I asked our home group to kind of connect, like, hey, where do you connect in this story? And, and you know, and I, and I want to challenge you. If it's, if it's the younger son and, and you've been saved, I just I want to encourage you this morning you're not in the pig pen anymore. Now, Satan may like try to trick you and, and, and put lies in your head that you are, but you're not. You've been made a new creation. That's what the Bible says. So either it's lying or it's telling the truth. It's just that simple. We are a new creation. And we have a job to do. And we're not, we're not supposed to linger in the past. We're not supposed to uh, be, be chained down by our past. Um, God has restored us. But I know sometimes we fall into the older brother role. And it's interesting because in the story, what did the younger son need to do? He needed to confess, repent, surrender, and follow Jesus. And the brother needed to do the exact same thing. Confess, repent, surrender, and follow Jesus. That's what we all need to do. If we haven't been doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. Through Jesus, we have been reconciled to God. We need to share his character with others, and we need to follow him. I cannot make a disciple. I, I cannot not make disciples if I'm going to be like Jesus. I want you to hear that again. I cannot not make disciples if I'm going to be like Jesus and follow. I just, I don't know how we get around that. Maybe you're sitting there and like, I need to be discipled. I don't even know what you're talking about, Jeff. That's fine. Then come talk to me. Let's make a plan. Let's set something in motion. Let's, let's put something in place to help you walk this out. We're supposed to be there to help each other. That's why we're here. But don't sit there and wallow in it like the younger brother, right? Get out of it and, and start. Let's, let's start walking. <laughs> you're not alone. We're in all this together. But do something with this incredible gift that God has given you and has given me. You know, I, I, I know I talk about home groups and, and, man, I'm not trying to, I don't know. I feel like I'm up here giving a commercial and that's the last thing on earth I'm trying to do. Man, I, I love home groups and I want you to hear why. Because it's a group, it's a smaller group of people. Because we get to come in here and I love I love the church, and I love the assembly, and I love singing together and praying together and, and talking through the Word of God. I love all of that. I love it. But I also love just getting together with a group of people and digging into the Word of God together and praying for each other, man, and being known and knowing others. I'm telling you, there's something special about it. Is, is it all perfect? No, it's not. Guess what? It's not. It's not. Has someone ever gossiped about something I've shared in home group? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Because we're people and we're messy. You've probably done the same thing. But I love, I love the idea of, of just being together uh, with a group of people for the purpose of glorifying God and growing together. That's the heart of, of what we're trying to do. That's it. Nothing special. We're not trying to create social cliques and other churches, and I, I don't know what else. I know things happen in the world. That's really what we're after. And we're trying hard here at Cross Plains to make sure there's an intentional leader in every group that, that has a relationship with God 
and that is leading that group spiritually, that doesn't have some other agenda, that, that's not going to allow for a bunch of sin to take place or gossip or fact, fractions or anything else, we're trying. Please pray for us. If you want to be a part of a home group, man, we want to get you plugged in. They're really awesome. I, I love them. Maybe other people wouldn't, but I do. I think they're amazing. <laughs> and out of home group, you know, one of the things that I hope happens, um, and again, there's no, like, do home groups. I can't turn to Matthew chapter 9 to, to show you that. I can turn to Acts where the church met together in small groups and they fellowshiped together and they prayed together and they went over the teaching. Like, they did all that. And that's what we're trying to, to model it after. Um, I don't know. I feel like if I say anything else, I'm going to start getting sarcastic, and I want to do that. <laughs> I love you, church. I just I want to see us growing. I want to see us accomplishing the mission that God gave to each and every one of us. Because I know that's when you're going to be at your best. When you are fulfilling God's purpose for you. And it's not home group, by the way. It's discipleship. That you're, you're maturing, right? Discipleship is you're maturing, and you're helping someone else mature. That's what, that's what it is. And we're just going to simplify it down. You're just coming along someone else in their journey, saying, hey, I'm here. Let me, let me pray with you. Let's, let's read the scriptures together. Let's, let's live life together. Okay? And we're... Just know, like we're praying and, and, and thinking through and planning to add opportunity uh, for, for more things of training and maturing here at the church. We've been talking through some different things. Um, but as you run into sinners out there in the world, the Lord wants to use you to impact their life, I'm telling you. And it's probably not going to happen in the pew sitting next to you. Maybe, but I doubt it. We have a hard enough time getting believers to show up, right? There's people out there that need you. They need you. They need you. Who do you need to befriend to begin building relationship to make disciples? Here we go. Second Corinthians, we're landing plane. Chapter, I mean, chapter 5, verse 11, I read this a lot. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God. And I hope it is, all, it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance, right? It's not about the outward. It's about the inward. It's about your heart and not about what, and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Brothers and sisters, is that what's controlling you today? Is it the love of Christ or is it your 401k? Or is it your, I don't know, that was the first one that popped in my head, sorry. Fill in the blank for you. I don't, I don't know what it is. I didn't mean to pick on that one. What is controlling you? For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that, he, that one has died. I'm talking about Jesus for all. Therefore, all have died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for who? Themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. See, told you, it's right there. Truth, 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, praise God, and gave us the ministry, and gave us the ministry, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Verse 1 of chapter 6, working together with him. We're working together. We have a work then. We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. You were giving something very special, and you're supposed to be doing something with it. Um, I love you, but that's the truth. And if you're not doing something with it, I love you enough to tell you that you need to be. So tonight, we have a great opportunity. We've invited the entire community to our church. And we can come here and we can throw bean bags and we can throw ping pong balls and laugh and goof off and eat some, I don't know what we're eating, but food. And it'll be good, right? And we can waste another opportunity where we just have fun. We're great at it, man. Or we can all come here tonight praying, diligently praying that God opens and creates opportunities for us to show Jesus. That's what this is about. I love fall and I love fall festivals, but that's not what it's about. It's about the opportunity to build a relationship with someone tonight for the name of Jesus Christ. For what he gave to you so freely. That is what we've been charged to do. And you have, an, you have an opportunity tonight. If you're nervous about that and you're like, I don't know how to talk to other people, come talk to me. All right? I'm not great, but I'll give you some just questions. It's just questions. Hey, where? You can't say where you're from, because, I mean, Carrollton? Trucker. But you can be like, hey, like, how, how'd you hear about this? Oh, somebody, some crazy person put a sign in my neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Where do you work? I mean, just normal stuff, right? And you might even throw in there, you might get bold and crazy, take it easy right here, but hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? They're probably going to say, nah, we're good. Okay. But what if they say something? I just want to challenge you. Pray for them right then. You don't have to wait till Monday. Right? Pray for them on Monday too, but pray for them right then. Just get bold and just ask, right? Can we, can I just pray for that right now? I don't, I think in all my times asking, I think I've been told no like maybe twice, right? And it's a little awkward, but like, okay, well, I'll pray about that later. Okay, you know, just whatever. I know it's not easy for some of us. I get it. It's uncomfortable. But get uncomfortable. It's worth it. And who knows what God is going to do. Dave Lewis is sitting right there because someone loved on Jimmer and Leanne at a fall festival. True? True. I wouldn't trade that guy for anything. What opportunity are you going to have tonight? Let's pray. God, thanks for loving us. Thank you for giving us Jesus. Lord, I know I messed some of this up, God, but thank you for being so much greater, um, God, than our plans, our thoughts, anything like that, God. And we're, I, I'm just, I'm asking, God, for you to, to completely be over tonight, Lord, um, that you draw in who needs to be here, God, that you prompt our hearts to love on those who are going to be here, God, to, to take opportunities of being intentional and bold, um, God, but that, that we, we leave that with you, Lord. We let you lead in the Spirit, 
Like you, you, you didn't give us a, a spirit of fear, God. You gave us your Holy Spirit. So help us to have some discernment tonight. Help us with our compassion. Help us to be aware of the lost, God. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity tonight. And I know it's going to be awesome. We, this church, man, we love. And I thank you for that. I know that's a gift from you, God. But I don't, I don't want to ever receive your grace in vain. So help us to do our part tonight, God. That's my prayer. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. We love you and we thank you for all things. In Jesus' name, amen.